What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're proud to say that BetDSI have rejoined us once again as one of our keynote sponsors on Three Yards Per Carry. We welcome them and we welcome you to join up with them. The NFL season obviously kicks off at the weekend. The college football season has just got underway, but it's not just limited to football. The baseball playoffs are coming. Uh, There are a myriad of other sports out there that you could bet on. There's entertainment things, there's politics things at BetDSI.com. They have a great app. I've used it myself. I know the boys have used it too. They have a great mobile interface. And you know, this year, you can get 101% match bonus on your first deposit of up to $1,000. That's 101% match bonus on your first deposit of up to $1,000. Use the code YARDS101. As always, YARDS101. Bet DSI for all of your betting needs and other ones that you probably didn't even know existed. YARDS101 with Bet DSI. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Simon Clancy here with me. I have Chris Kaufman here with me. Well, the, the results are, they're going to be the same pretty much for the entire season. But this game was a, a little bit different. At least the first half. You could make a case. Really? Yes. I mean, it, I thought it was worse than the other two games. Yeah. I don't know about worse than – no, I wouldn't go worse than the Baltimore. Nothing was worse than – You could make a case that they should have had a two-touchdown lead in the first half or at least a two-score lead in the first half of this game. I guess should have – should have based on what, though? I mean, yeah, I you've got, you've got to, to make the plays – You've got a to make the plays, the and, and the other team. The other team is gonna. I mean, the, the other team is gonna make plays, right? This is where we're not entitled to things just because, just because your players actually manage to execute for once. They're, the other team has players that have something to say about it. So if we're talking about, like, for instance, that Preston Williams near catch in the end zone, okay, we're not entitled to that just because our quarterback threw it in the right spot for once. Um, you know, that's when he's catch the ball yeah do and Chidobia Wuzier's job. job was to break it up which he did he broke it up I mean give him credit 
Yes, he did. You don't feel that they should have challenged that play? By the way, Dibaninos said that he he wished that Flores would have challenged it because it would have tested the new rule, the new catch rule. What did you think um, of it? I thought it was an incomplete pass. What did you think? I thought it? I thought it'd be incomplete, personally. Yeah, me too. I didn't think it was a challenge there. Yeah, Flores afterwards in, the, in his press conference said that uh, that he called up right away and and they told him immediately, like, don't challenge this. This is going to be incomplete no matter what. Now, where are we in, in this in this experience with King and Drake? Like, he had an opportunity. I don't know if, if it's an, if, if if it's to put it on him or not, but he had the opportunity to give this team possibly a lead going into halftime. And he, for whatever reason, he started doing all these spin moves in this game. And that's something that started new with him, I guess. And I, I felt that it was gonna, it, it was coming because Van Der Esch had hit him hard on one of them. And sure enough, he spins right into a fucking helmet. And this time he fumbles it inside the 10-yard line. And when you're this bad, you need to play damn near perfect to even stay in the game with somebody like the Dallas Cowboys. What do you make of this? experience with Kenyon Drake are we nearing the end of it Simon I mean when did we near the start of it frankly well, he's made a lot of plays Simon he's made a lot has, of I mean has he yes he has he has the, has the he really it doesn't work out it doesn't work out to a lot of plays because he's made some big ones that have gained him a lot of yeah. yards over the years right and but but the thing is that he doesn't have very many carries, period, and very many touches, period. So when he makes those big plays, they they draw up his average, right? Mm-hmm. I think the question has to be at this point, not the plays that he's made, but why multiple coaching staffs haven't given him more of an opportunity. People talk about, oh, he needs more touches. He needs more. Well, there's a reason why he hasn't been given more touches. And that's that's played out every week in the fact that they don't trust him. They haven't trusted him consistently. You know, and like Chris says, he makes the occasional play which bumps the average up. But generally, I just don't I don't see it for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason is, but there is clearly a reason. Yeah, Chris? Is he going to go somewhere else? That's the question to me. Is he going to go somewhere else and then somebody show him a little bit more faith and all of a sudden he is good. I mean, that's that's a fear, and I think it's a legitimate fear because we've seen talent on him. Well, we haven't seen anything from – who we haven't seen anything from whatsoever is Kalen Balaj. No. But, I mean, as far as Kenyon Drake goes, I mean, he we've seen the talent to make the big plays and to have successful runs. We've also seen a little bit of, you know, mess up in his game. I mean, he, he did – if you think back to even the Chicago game, like he blew that – and then they showed a little bit more faith in him and, and gave him the chance to try to make up for it. But by all means, he should have lost that game. Um, and so we see we see that pop up every now and then in Kenyon Drake's game, and maybe that's the source of their discomfort. I don't really know what the source of their discomfort is. But I will say that he could go somewhere, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was just, just lit everything up because he has that sort of talent in him. What I don't understand is this. There's only been one period in his, in his entire NFL career where a coaching staff actually showed some faith in him, and that was in 2017 when it was him and Damian Williams, and then all of a sudden Damian Williams took an injury, and it was just Kenyon Drake pretty much for about six weeks. For those six weeks, he was one of the best running backs on the planet, and his numbers actually showed it. He was, I think, second in total yardage from scrimmage, 
and third in rushing yards, and he had like six touchdowns. So the one time in his career where they showed faith in him, he produced. Since then, it hasn't been that way. It, it so. wasn't six weeks, though. It was two. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the reality of it. It was the Denver game and the New England game. And that was – and like you said, there were, there were some injuries. And so – and this was just after – this was right after they traded Jay Ajayi, right? Or they got rid of – not long after they traded Jay Ajayi. And Adam Gase was like, you know, I'm sick of this one back crap. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in it anymore. Um, and so they 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 go with uh, Kenyon Drake for as the load carrier for two games against Denver and New, New England. He has great games against them. This is why New England ended up with. I thought they ended up with a pretty good, um, you know, uh, opinion of him, thinking that thinking highly of him. Uh, but then by the last three games, Buffalo, Kansas City, Buffalo again, he was in a total rideshare with Damian Williams again. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't, they weren't doing that load carrying stuff with him again. It's just two games. So I don't know. It's, Although he it, did have more touches than Damian Williams in every single game except one. And in the one. Yeah, but there was still sharing. I mean, it was, it was ultimately, it was, it was like 50 50 almost, or maybe like 55 45, something like that. Yeah, but I never understood that either. And although Demi, Demi Williams has shown that, you know, he's a talented back, uh, namely because he has Patrick Mahomes <laughs> as his quarterback. And Andy Reid. You know, but... The, but that's the, the point. Like, can Kenya Drake go off to, like, Kansas City or something like that where Andy Reid is the coach and maybe somebody else is the quarterback and it's like all of a sudden he's a star? I mean, that's that's my worry. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's It's probably something deeper that we don't know about something with the coaching staff who knows but let's get into somebody else that everybody's talking about today and everybody seems to be get really excited about this josh rosen performance i don't get it like i don't know what anybody's saying like he wasn't particularly good in this game i guess the only thing you could point to is that the offense looked competent in the first half but still it was still just six points you know you don't get points for yardage in the first half what did you make of his game, Simon? I mean, I think he did all right. But, you know, there's still so much that, you know, he has to learn. That you know, People talking up about how much better he played. I mean, I just that's just not what I saw. Look, I get that it's difficult. I get that, there, you know, the offensive line is an absolute disaster. You know, yeah. it's an absolute disaster. I mean, people were talking about Michael Dieter is playing really well. I, mean, I just... I just didn't see that at all. I had, and Chris and I looked at, well, in fact, all three of us looked at some footage earlier on of a, a couple of plays, and there was a particular play, the play, in fact, that Jesse Davis got injured with him. You know, his kick slide was one of the worst, off, most off-balance, kind of discombobulated. Uh, so I get that Rosen is struggling. That You know, the offensive line can't pass protect, so he's under pressure. They can't run block, so, you know, the, the offense well, that great. The receivers drop the ball. You know, Devontae Parker makes an amazing one-handed catch. For, before there's amazing one-handed catches, you just get, you know, he's wide open at the 10-yard line, running a crossing route. He just, he just drops it. Could have been picked off. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. th- there was just drop. You know, you're relying on an undrafted free agent wide receiver. I mean, this is the most damning indictment of the Dolphins' skill positions. An undrafted, as good as Preston Williams is, or could be, he's still an undrafted free agent wide receiver who's now Miami's number one offensive target. Take out Devontae Parker, take out uh, Jakeem Grant, take out Caleb Balage, take out Kenyon Drake, second rounder Mike Gesicki, all of that. It's an undrafted free agent, okay? 
that pretty much sums up what Josh Rosen and previous to that Ryan Fitzpatrick have got to work with. But I don't think he played particularly well. You know, I mm. I don't all of a sudden I don't all of a sudden think, ha, oh, we can save that number one overall pick for Chase Young or Andrew Thomas. <laughs> don't need to be drafting um don't need to be drafting two or after that. And I don't think that we're gonna get to the end of the season and go, Phew, he's made it pretty he's made it pretty difficult for us now. You know, look, I get I get that you know, he's not a guy that's going to elevate the talent around him, ultimately. And I feel bad for him that he's had 16 offensive coordinators in five years and or whatever it is, and he's played with two terrible teams, Arizona and Miami. That, you know, that's unfortunate for him. He hasn't had the chance to, to, to show what he can do. But there are things that you look at in, in games of players, of quarterbacks that are coming out. And, you know, I don't want to keep on banging on about two or every week, every week, every week, because it does get boring. But there are things that you see in a player's game, and it's the little things that scouts look at. They don't really look at the box score. They don't really look at the end result. I mean, they do a little bit, but that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. What matters is the the bits of minutiae that are vitally important, where the ball comes out, velocity, you know, mechanics, footwork, you know, manipulation of the pocket, well. leadership, timing, all of those things. You know, they are vitally important to a scout. Not did they win, how good was that throw to so-and-so, you know, those kind of things, that, that's not what they care about. They don't care about what an average fan cares about. What they care about are those, those little things. And you see them with guys like Tua and you don't see them and you haven't seen them with Josh Rosen. So regardless of whether the talent level is great or not, you're still not seeing the little things that you're seeing with other quarterbacks. Somebody messaged me last night and said, do you think that, 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 Josh, that Dak Prescott would do a better job if Josh Rosen and Dak Prescott swap positions and that Rosen would do a better job with the Cowboys. And you think, no, because Dak Prescott is a much more proficient NFL quarterback than Josh Rosen is, unfortunately. And it mm-hmm. goes back to the little things. You know, yes, he has better talent to work with. Yes, he has a brilliant offensive line. But strip all that away and look at where the ball lands when it's thrown. It's thrown in stride, on target, on time. It comes out quickly. He can make all the throws, back shoulder throws. He can throw across the field from the short side to the wide. Yeah, all of those, all of those things. You know, and I feel for Josh. I do, but until he gets to that level, you cannot consider him or consider his performance at the weekend as anything other than bang average, Chris. I think that if you, three things that you got to look at about Josh Rosen's game this weekend, and it's hard to keep this in perspective because I think people kind of like, you know, you get tunnel vision on the one guy and, uh, or the one situation, the one team and stuff like that. But I, you know, I was, I was, you, you guys know, I was up at Lambeau this weekend watching Aaron Rodgers play um, against the Denver Broncos. So you, you see a different perspective and it's like Aaron Rodgers misses a couple of passes, right? He missed, he missed a couple. They were just off. And, um, and like people are turning to me and like, Oh, he just seems off today. And it's like, well, <laughs> I'm watching, I'm watching the, the dolphins game. I'm watching Josh Rosen. I mean, he's, he's probably missing every, every third or every other pass. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. we're not just talking about draw. Yes. There were some, there were a couple of drops there, but, he's missing throws and it's like, well, don't miss the throw. Let's start with that. And, uh, and cause these other quarterbacks, if you want to fr- step up and be a franchise quarterback and be, and have people think that you can be elite, you don't miss all these throws. You don't miss the, the slant, um, the easy slant as he did to Jakeem Grant once uh, you don't miss like, you know, he's, he's trying to throw hot and it just went nowhere. Um, you, you don't miss some of these throws. The other thing to look at is, 
his operation of the pocket, he's done very well. There's a difference between guys who operate the pocket well and guys who react to pressure well. He reacts to pressure pretty well, like and he always has. Um, he does he does a really good job that way of sensing the pressure, you know, kind of spinning out of it, uh, doing doing something. He's not very athletic, but you know, he does an all right job there. But he doesn't operate the pocket very well. He doesn't gravitate to the soft spot in the pocket, um, and he doesn't find the throwing lane. That's why you saw you saw him get batted down a couple of times in the second half, and and this happens to Josh Rosen. He doesn't he doesn't really gravitate to the to the passing lanes very well. Uh, it's not really part of his game. He, so he's not really operating the pocket there. Um, and then the last thing, and this is the thing I keep harping on about him all the time, is anticipation and timing. He's not throwing with it. And he still isn't throwing with it. He's not throwing with anticipation. You see it constantly. You see it constantly. He's, he's pulling the ball down. He's hitching an extra because he's got to see their numbers yeah. before he throws it. And that, that really, what that ends up doing is, it, here's what you end up seeing. Guy catches the ball, but he's so close to the sidelines he can't do anything with it. And so now, you know, now he's just going out of bounds or he's just falling to the ground or something like that. Or uh, on the other hand, you know, there was a play where he scrambled. He kind of floated, scrambled out of the pocket and found Jakeem Grant, who was uh, – when the All-22 comes out, I'm going to say that pretty sure that Jakeem Grant was open for a long time before Josh Rosen finally threw it. And when he threw it, uh, it was so late that the underneath defender was able to float back and knock the ball away. And it's, it's just stuff like that. You're seeing that over and over with Josh Rosen. No, this is not looking like a franchise quarterback. This is not looking like our future or a guy that we're so comfortable with. You know, maybe we can get Chansey and, and take Chase Young with the number one overall pick or trade out of it or something like that and then, and then shoot for – you know, somebody other than Tua Tonga Vailoa. Um, and we all like Jordan Love quite a bit. And so I understand that some people might think that would be happy with that. But the number one quarterback is the number one quarterback, and you don't sacrifice at that spot. And I'm certainly not sacrificing for Josh Rosen. No, and I go a little bit further. I said it on I, on the three WebPC account. I asked, I put out a poll, and I asked, who is the sexy name? Who is the guy that you would want in a combination with Tuatanga Bailoa on draft day or second day, actually. And I said third round or beyond, and a lot of people were saying Jalen Hurts and and so forth. And you mentioned a few names also. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i on that boat, to be honest with you. And a lot of people questioned me, especially this week, and I was talking to somebody, and they were telling me, well, you got yourself a, a good backup for the next, you know, five to ten years. And I said, I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. Like, you may be getting paid like a backup for the next two years. But I'm mm-hmm. not sure that I would just hand him the backup job behind Tua Tungabalo. I might want to draft a guy to push him and see if maybe I might want to trade one of the two. You know. Well, let me ask you this, Alf, because um, you mentioned you mentioned you're not sure that you want Rosen in that role. What if I were to say, because knowing this coaching staff, look how they treated Josh Rosen in the first place. They didn't hand him anything, right? No. Even though he was top ten pick last year and they traded a second round pick for him and stuff like that had him compete with ryan fitzpatrick the entire way um next year they take to a tongue of vialoa number one does any does anybody think that they're just handing the keys over to him you know right from the start and he's not going to be forced to earn it not going to be forced to beat anybody in competition and if you realize that like is josh rosen 
the guy to compete with Tua Tonga by the end of this year, after we get through 13 more games of the shit show. Um, is he the guy that compete with Tua Tonga Vailoa, legitimately compete with Tua Tonga Vailoa? I don't think so. I think what's going to happen, and it's going to be pretty evident early on, is that Tua Tonga Vailoa is going to come into camp. And, you know, this is a guy that's, you know, you watch him play. He plays with anticipation. He, you know, he's snappy. He knows what the hell he's doing out there. Josh Rosen is thinking. He, you mm-hmm. could see you could see the thought bubbles on his head. The only one that he played instinctually last uh, yesterday was when he almost got Alan Hearns killed. Okay? <laughs> First of all, that was a great pass. Okay? Hold on to it, Alan Hearns. I know you, you almost died, but. You know, oh, he almost died. But those 22 yards would have been nice right there at that spot. But he's basically going to be handed the keys because there's not going to be much else. So that's why I would want us to draft somebody to push Josh mm-hmm. Rosen so we could have a real quarterback room. And it won't just be dominated by the alpha, which will be probably Tua Tungavailoa. Mm. Now, I want to get into some something else. One guy who was an absolute disaster in this game. And look, I'm not going to saddle him with the very popular gift that's rolling out there where he gets beat on a – on a deep route. He gets beat for about 24 yards by Amari Cooper on an out route. That was a shit show of a coverage. If you watch the beginning of that play, Bobby McCain is doing something that's inexplicably because evidently one of our linebackers fell down in coverage. So Bobby McCain basically abandoned his deep third. But Xavier Howard was bad in this game. He was caught on two isolated routes. Both of them went for touchdowns. He knew they were going his way. They still went for touchdowns anyway, both of them. What did you make of his game, Simon? I mean, I thought he made a business decision that he wasn't going to get himself injured for this shit show. Um, (laughs) I thought it was the worst game that he's played since he's become a top-tier cornerback. And actually, I think it might be one of the worst games he's played full stop, actually. I thought he was embarrassed at times. Um, The the play where he just got turned around... um, Mm -hmm. I mean, that was just, uh, I don't know. I just thought uh, uh, you're expecting to see something from your better players. And unfortunately he, you know, and it was capped off by the, the ejection and, and people say, well, that's a hard, well, you can't throw, you can't throw fists. You can't do that. No. Yeah. That's what he did. You know, you can't do what he did, unfortunately. So he should have been tossed. Um, I, and I just think it was probably frustration at the way the season started, frustration at his own performance. I'm sure it's just a one-off because we all know that he's significantly better than that. But that was just a bad, bad showing. You know, the the, the touchdown um, that he gave up. I, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was. Uh, he expected safety help over the top, and you know, I'm sure we'll get to our safeties because, mm-hmm. by God, they're terrible. Um, but you know, it looked that like he was playing for safety help and it, uh, and the safety wasn't there and he tried to close knock the ball and, and actually he was unlucky that the ball he didn't manage to knock the ball away um, but I, overall I just thought it was a just a, a really I just thought it was a really poor game I just thought he was just dreadful I thought just generally the whole team were dreadful it was just such a you know it was such a I thought it was such a bad performance so many mistakes just error strewn and you know all these kind of you know, you're expecting these young players to start flashing, and you know, you look at the uh, the both offensive and defensive lines. Beyond Christian Wilkins and maybe Michael Dieter, I can't think of a player. I mean, they're going to keep Jesse Davis around, but God knows why. But I cannot think of a player that you would be looking. At. God, Charles uh, played pretty well. 
to be fair. Yeah. Beyond that, you know, Avery Moss, these guys, Taco Charm. I mean, mm-hmm. that Taco Charm pass rusher. These guys are these guys aren't <laughs> making these guys aren't making the team. You look know, up, look up Simon's Twitter, by the way, and, yeah. and he posted a video of <laughs> I mean, John Jenkins had a good game against the Patriots. He had 17 snaps yesterday uh, and was utterly, utterly anonymous. You know, the, the, I, I just don't see a kid on the, you know, Charles Harris, utterly, utterly irrelevant. You know, he's playing linebacker. He's not, uh, I don't think he's playing very well at all. No sacks. You know, what does he have now? One, is it one and a half career sacks in two seasons and three games? Is that right? I mean, that is a damning indictment of his performances. You know, we thought that in preseason and in camp, the light was beginning to come on. Well, I think the light has been smashed and the room has been locked and the key has been swallowed and we're not finding it because I I just can't see, I I can't see it. I can't see anything. I can't see anything there that would make you think, yep, he can be a guy that can actually help us moving forwards. Well, it's two two topics. Xavier Howard. First off, I think that he does this. I brought up the point before with you guys. I think he does this like every fifth game, to me. Mm. Um, he he has one of these just real kind of head scratching performances, and it could be because it could just be because they put so much on him, and that to me is is what stood out about this game is they they just trusted him to say, okay, we're gonna have you travel all over the place with with Amari Cooper and you know there are going to be three-way goes there's going to be a lot of space there's going to be pure man coverage with no yeah, help that's also and and look I'd, I'd, I'd hate to you know take take a dump on Brian Flores but that's really 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 stupid okay. well that's but how this is what travel, I'm saying how do you what, travel to the slot against a guy like Amari Cooper in fact against anybody in the NFL any any competent wide receiver traveling to the slot when you know your guy is really good on the boundary, what for? But Xavier, Xavier Howard is being paid like a whole lot of money and he's on a defense filled with nobodies that can't play football. So, I mean, and he's, and he's the guy that can play football. So it's, it's understandable in that context, but it's within that context that you have to see the overall, the, the overall failure that he had in this game against Amari Cooper and the way that he does play every now and then. And I think it's because he is a bit emotional out there. And we saw it when he got ejected. I mean, he, he's, he does not – they say about a corner, you got to have a short memory, right? And, like, you get beat, you got to go back in the next play. I don't think he does. I think that when, when you've seen it in the Patriots game uh, last year kind of comes to mind. But when you see him have a few bad snaps, like, he will stack – those snaps okay he will stack those mistakes on top of one another and i saw it late in this game there are there are times you watch him play and late in this game and you're like what the hell are you even doing out there are you even interested in being out there on the field because he's just standing he just like that's it it's like how you almost like he's got into it's almost like he's got into a bad mood and the bad mood's put him in such a funk that he's almost like a child and something you know just you know how kids get sometimes they Mm -hmm. just get lose their shit completely Absolutely. The biggest, the biggest indictment about this, though, is that it's core players, isn't it? It's Jakeem mm. Grant, it's Devontae Parker, it's Xavier mm. Howard, it's Bobby McCain. These core players, the guys that have been paid, who are the ones messing up. That's yeah. a massive indictment oh, absolutely. on where this team is. I absolutely. I agree. I agree 1,000% with that. And I said it last week on, on, on the podcast. There was a player once that told me, these guys are 4-4. Four four. I'm 6-2. and two. You got to have that attitude, especially somebody like Xavier Howard. 
if they're going to match you up with Amari Cooper, then you got to go out there with the, with the mentality. Like, you know, if we lose 45 to nothing, mm-hmm. I don't give a crap. But at the end of the day, I'm going to say I won my matchup. And some of these guys, not only are they not going out there with that mentality, but they're part of the problem of why they're getting absolutely destroyed in these games. And especially in, in this game. In some of the games, Minko was that guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, and let me tell you one thing that was really interesting about this game. I thought the Dallas Cowboys, and I had a, a Cowboy fan with me that was really, really, I think I've spoken about him before on the on the podcast. He's really, you know, informed, I would say, on his team. And he was surprised at their game plan. He thought that they were way, way, way too aggressive in the first half and that it was actually playing into our hands. He wanted, you know, to play a little bit more methodical football game, which is what they did in the second half to destroy us. But what does this say? And I'm going to go, I'm going to, go to, to Chris here, and then I want Simon's thoughts on this. What does it say that the Dallas Cowboys don't find much success with a lot of their pet plays inside and just decide to run outside zone over and over and over and over again to the tune of almost 200 yards in about three quarters because they picked up on it in the second quarter. And they essentially run two or three plays that keep working, and we have no answers for it. Well, I think first off, I'm not sure. I'm not really. So Devon Godshaw was playing really well in this game. And I think that he's, if you're looking at guys on the defensive line that are stepping up and as you say, I'm six and two, the rest of these assholes are Owen, you know, Owen eight. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's a guy that stands out to me and has stood out this whole season thus far. Um, I think that he showed up. He's in shape. He's, you know, probably in about the prime, stepping into about the prime of his career. Probably going to get an extension from these guys if if he's willing to uh, to meet their numbers. So he played well, but nobody else that I saw really played very well. Um, and so I don't know if I would agree even that they took away something that Dallas wanted to establish. Because to me, and we've got three games now where the defense hasn't really taken away what the offense wanted to do, which is, you know, in in Baltimore's case, they clearly wanted to have a proof of concept that Lamar Jackson could pass the ball. And that that's what they set out to do. That was their game plan. They kind of ambushed Miami, uh, who didn't think that Lamar Jackson could pass the, pass the ball. So Miami couldn't take that away. Um, the New England Patriots and the Dallas Cowboys both wanted to establish the establish the run in these games. And because of that, it looked like, you know, Miami's keeping it close for the first half. But not really, because they're going with a more conservative game plan to speed up the game, try and escape without injury, and ensure their victory with all these body blows. And I thought that um, that Dallas, there were times they just didn't play well. They just didn't play very well. They, they you know, made the wrong cut here or something like that. And it wasn't so much that Miami took anything away, or like in the case of Dak Prescott, the interception he threw, I mean, it just looked like he didn't care. Like he didn't respect Miami's defense at all. And so he had, he had like, I don't know how many seconds he had in the pocket. He could have read, he could have read the great Gatsby back there. And then he finally just kind of lazily steps out and is like, you know what? I'm going to throw a late across the middle 
like I'm Patrick friggin Mahomes here or something like that. And even Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have made that throw, wouldn't have uh, tried that throw. And, uh, and he got picked off for it. And I just thought I, I sensed no respect. I sensed no respect for Miami. And despite that, uh, we didn't make them pay for any of it. Like we didn't make them pay for anything that they tried to do against us. And this is the third game that that hasn't happened until Miami can force a team to actually adjust. Then we don't even know how bad the team is yet. Yeah. I would say, I mean, I don't really have anything to add. I would say that um, if that Dallas team that clearly had no respect for the Dolphins yesterday and, and I'm sure, you know, look, mentally there must be something in a player's head where they just think, oh, fuck it, it's the Dolphins. I don't need to go as hard. I don't need to, you know, study quite as – because we're going to win anyway. We just have to turn up. If last year's Dolphins had played that Cowboys team with that mentality, that last year's Dolphins would have won that game. Mm. But last year's Dolphins are long gone. Yeah. And even a subpar – I don't want to say not caring. You can't be a professional athlete like that and not care. But, you know, maybe just not quite as, you know, that game for Dallas is not as big as Green Bay at home or, you know, any of the big NFC Detroit, you know, at home, currently Detroit 2-1. Two, two you know, those sorts of teams coming into t- to a, a, a T&T stadium is not nearly as big as the, the 0-2 Dolphins who've been crushed in their first two games. It just isn't. And I think mm-hmm. that's what you got. You got a t- Dallas team essentially playing down to the level that the Dolphins were playing at, rather than playing up to a to a big team. And I think that's why Dallas looked bad. I don't think it was anything to do with and, what Dolphins and were still doing. winning thirty one six and still winning thirty one six. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought that what 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 they did is that they came out super aggressive to try to get the game over with early because they had zero respect for the Miami Dolphins. And since that didn't work out, they went to their more methodical game. And then you saw what the game actually was, which was 21 nothing. That's the real game. In, in well, the- but, but even – so you say, like, really aggressive, but let's, let's face it. In the first half alone, in the first half alone, they were running for six – they ran for 100 yards. Their two, two running backs, uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, ran for 100 yards or 98 yards on 15 carries. A six and a half yards a carry. Yes, but they, uh, they were get... I mean they were trying to establish that run and they yes. were successful in doing yes, it. Yes, yes, yeah, but yeah, but those yards kind of they're kind of phony. They had 36 on the last drive that ended in a Hail Mary. Okay? So they ran off of their from their 10-yard line. Zeke got three carries and got them up to the about the 50-yard line. So they really got somewhere around 65 yards rushing in the first half. You know, so I didn't think that they established the run the way they normally do. Like, you know, they're a little bit more methodical team than what they what they showed in that first half. I thought they were. I thought it was a willy nilly game plan. They were just trying to win the game forty five nothing in the first quarter and get rid of us, and it actually didn't work out for them. Once they went to a little bit more methodical game plan, they kicked the crap out of us, which is what they should have been doing from the opening gun. Dolphins had 15 yards of offense up until late in the fourth quarter in the second half. How much did they have in the second half? 15 yards? 15 yards up until late in the fourth quarter. I don't know if that changed because I, I actually stopped watching on the penultimate possession. But well, well, they I, ended up I, I will say that even before, yards. even excluding that final drive that you're talking about, they were averaging five yards a carry in the first half. Okay. Mm. The, the other, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. I mean, it's, the, Miami didn't. Miami did not challenge them on anything they wanted to do, in my opinion. No. 
I'll say no. Well, Chris, you today on on Twitter, we're, we're talking about what, this possible, and I, I find it, I, I just find it hilarious. The NFL is going to investigate the tank, as it were. Well, and, I think the, the the competition committee have already, the competition committee, or at least a, an, an anonymous member of the com- competition committee, have already commented on this. Like yeah. they've already, they've already said, they've already said, you know, yeah, I think we're probably going to look at this. And um, you know, he might have expressed skepticism about, you know, I don't know what we can do about it. Um, but then again, we're only at that point we were only two games into the season. Uh, we're now a third game into the season. The Dolphins have been outscored 133 to 16. They're on pace for to be outscored 709 to 85, I think, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a 16 game season. And I know that none of us really think that that will continue. But then again, this team is so bad, and we haven't even gotten to the point where injuries start to make you worse. Um, you know, so that's if let's let's put it this way: if what we've seen through the first three games is what happens for the next 13 games and Miami are that embarrassing every week Miami is Arkansas State trying to face Texas or something like that then um, all bets are off as far as what the the league could do uh, you, maybe even directly to Miami certainly the league will uh, will look at this investigate uh, and decide on actions to try and prevent this ever happening again. And that was my main point. The competition committee will look at this, try and come up with some some rules or some procedures to make sure that no team uh, is incentivized to ever do this again. And I think that will happen. I, I, I would put money on it happening. Uh, yeah, whether, they do some, whether they do something to Miami specifically, like as punitive, um, then I, that's, I'm, I say very low odds. But if they play the other 13 games like they did these, thir- these, these next, first three, then those odds get much higher because this is an embarrassment to the shield. As Simon said, this is an utter embarrassment to the league. The NFL is not, this is the difference between college and NFL In the NFL. You are a parody driven league. You are any given Sunday, any team can beat the other team. I watched the green Bay Packers play the they're they're three and oh, and the Denver Broncos are and three and looking hapless, but you know what? That game was messy. It was competitive. The Denver Broncos were making plays on Green Bay. You know, Aaron Rodgers couldn't just get whatever he wanted. It was it was messy. It was competitive. Okay, this this stuff with Miami right now is not competitive. Okay, this is this is Tennessee State or some FCS team playing you know a Power Five team every weekend, and the NFL can't have that. And if you go 13 more games and it's exactly this way, then the national conversation is going to take on a life of its own. And that's where you could see the danger. That's where you could see the pressure on Roger Goodell to act, to make a, to make a real punitive statement that this should not have ever happened and cannot happen again. And I don't care what the compensation looked like for these mm. trades and stuff like that. I don't care if the NFL approved it. The fact of the matter is Miami are severely underspending the rest of the United or the rest of the national football league in, um, in their, uh, salary, salary cash payroll and their average contract values. They're severely under, uh, spending on this team this year and have placed all of their eggs into the future. And you know what, if the NFL decides that that's a method of subverting the future salary caps and subverting the future budgets that everybody else is giving by, 
you know, stacking by, by just being super duper really bad this year, not spending at all this year so that you can use all that extra budget in future years. Maybe they decide you can't do that. And they've done it before. They've done it we had before. lots of, we had lots of people message the tour because Chris and I had this conversation on social media and lots of people messages going, we're scaremongering and uh, we were trying to generate clicks for the podcast, which is absolute bullshit. Uh, ultimately this falls under the, under the umbrella of conduct detrimental to the NFL, which is essentially an, astron- uh, an astonishingly sort of broad brush as new England found out with, with the deflate gate fiasco. Ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, I have no doubt as Chris says that they will do something. You know, Chris and I talked jokingly about what would happen. Uh, how hilarious would it be if as they did with new England, they removed our first pick, which would be obviously the first overall pick and therefore not the opportunity to take tour. That's not going to happen, but it was a joke that then some people just jumped on and, uh, and totally took the wrong way. But the scope of what they can demand from clubs, the NFL can demand is, is outrageously significant. They could easily request, for example, internal communications from Chris Greer, from Steve Ross, from uh, you know, anybody that they wanted to about how, what they were going to do, about trades, about whether or not they were going to run down the roster, about whether or not they were going to severely underspend, all those sorts of things. In the 100th season of the NFL, having one of the, one of the grandest, most historic franchises in the history of the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, the only team to go and be in a regular season or throughout, throughout a season, you know, with Dan Marino and Don Shula and all those great names that, you know, Mercury Morris and Jim Kick and Larry Zonker and Bob Greasy and all those names, Jason Taylor. This team, this franchise is doing what it's doing. People saying, oh, Cleveland, nothing happened. And there, there are other unbeaten. The Jets are unbeaten. Did you see what the Jets did in the offseason? The Jets signed Le'Veon Bell and CJ Mosley and, you know, James Crowder. And, yeah, but the, they still suck because they've had lots of injuries. They've lost Mosley. They've lost Sam Darnold. You know, they almost lost. They almost beat the Bills on open day. The Bills are now three and zero, hosting the Patriots. You know, I, I, the Jets are not tanking. The Bengals, people say the Bengals are tank. The Bengals aren't tanking. The Bengals were driving to win the game in Buffalo yesterday, and only an interception inside the last two minutes at, at like the Bills' ten yard line when they were driving in to, to score the winning touchdown. First week of the season, they lost by a point to Seattle on the road in one of the most difficult places to win in all of America. Uh, and Russell Wilson conjures up some magic at the end to win that. The, the Bengals aren't tanking. The Jets aren't. The Dolphins are tanking. The, mm-hmm. the, they are tanking. Look at the roster. It's a junior varsity roster that they're playing with. So These guys, are, you know, 75, 80% of these guys will not be on an NFL team in two years' time. I refuse to believe that Jamal Wiltz or, you know, Avery Moss or Trent Harris or, you know, or these guys, Julian Davenport, or the, they're not going to be around anymore. They're and we're not. talking about the guys that are playing on Sunday, not even the guys that are like inactive. Exactly. exactly. These are the guys that are actually front and center and playing. It's a terrible look for the, you know, from an outside viewpoint from the NFL's. I've spoken to somebody off the record within the NFL organization who admits that this is not a good look from the NFL having one of their historic franchises like the Dolphins, doing this in the anniversary season. It is not something the NFL is particularly happy about. So we shall see but what it happens. Look good. But, 
but it will look good in a few months' time. Mate, it's going to look brilliant in three years' time. We're shitting all over anybody, everybody. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like, you know, because we got accused. We got, like, like almost like we want this to happen. Like, we want the NFL to take away the pick or something like that. Well, that's bullshit. I mean, we we, we are 100% like, you know, if you've listened to us. We love the draft more than anybody. Yeah, we love the draft more than anybody. We love Tua yeah. Tonga-Vailoa more than anybody. And look, I'd and, be shocked. I'd be shocked if they take – if anything real happens to the Miami Dolphins. I think uh, they'll probably get a – admonished about by this but they're going to get away with it they're going to get away with it they're going to spend a lot of money next year and they're going to draft very high because i just don't see anybody catching them but i do yeah, i think believe- i think that's the the odds on favorite scenario i agree with yes you. so i think that they're just going to be like told like you know this wasn't good but you're going to get away with it but nobody else will i think that that's what's going to happen I think what's going to happen is that there's going to be something in place going forward. I don't know if it has to come with the new CBA. Like maybe mm-hmm. they have to, I don't know, negotiate a, a rock bottom, you know, what you can spend on one year as, or what you can have as far as dead cap in one single year. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what they're going to do. And maybe put some, some protections on picks. Maybe, maybe that's what's going to happen. So just like the NBA does where they, where you tell somebody, look, I'll trade you this first round pick, but it's protected top five protected. So maybe something like that is going to, it's what's going to happen. They're going to add protections to the picks, but they're going to eat something. Cause this is absolutely, it is absolutely blatant. And that's what I'm Ethan, all for it. Ethan believes, doesn't it? Ethan believes that the, we will head towards a potential lottery. Ethan Skolnick obviously mm-hmm. runs the five reasons network to which we are under the umbrella of, believes that that is a possibility moving forward especially yeah. you know especially if the if college football continues to develop more tours and trevor lawrence's because you know we've talked about it. you look at the, the sophomore and freshman quarterback classes and there's some serious talent coming through and it seems like now year on year on year all of a sudden five years ago we were, we were bemoaning the fact that there are only a handful of decent starting quarterbacks in the nfl and you know one through 15 was all right but the rest was pretty shitty now, all of a sudden, you look around, it's getting better and better and deeper and deeper. And you see Daniel Jones and Kyle Allen and these guys stepping up and making big performances like they did on Sunday. And then you've got the rookies. You've got, you know, you've got Kyle Amari playing pretty well. You've got the second-year guys like Lamar Jackson developing brilliantly. And then you look at the guys that are going to come into the league like Tua and Jacob Eason and Jordan Love and, uh, and Herbert and, uh, and these guys and Fromm. And, and the following year, you've got, you've got Trevor Lawrence and, uh, and Justin Fields and Brock Purdy and... Taylor Martinez and all these guys. And then you've got the, the freshmen that we talked about last week and stuff. So, you know, there, there's a huge amount of quarterback talent coming into this league. So, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, I think next yeah. year it's going to be it's going to be a free-for-all. If nothing happens at all, I think next year there could be two, three teams that say, you know what, like this Fuck looks it. kind of fun what the, what the Dolphins just did. Because they're yeah. going to be watching us. They're going to be watching us mm-hmm. next year where we're going to take over Las Vegas. Well, Trevor Lawrence is on the docket, and that's the yes. point, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so yeah. so the Miami Dolphins are supposed and, – and we all saw Rich Eisen's rant about, about this and about what the Dolphins are doing and how he brought up that uh, he heard two years ago, basically, that they're – they're in, totally in love with Tua Tonga Vailoa, and um, and this is what they're doing. And so he's he was clearly mad at it. And you know I get mad about it too. And that's that's the thing. Like I've I've talked about I've talked about wanting to do this. Like I'm I'm on I'm on the tank. Okay, and I I'm, I want and and I've said if they're if you're going to do it, you better do it all the way because I don't want it to be left up to chance. I don't want you to do this right to to 
destroy yourself like this and then end up not getting it. You know, that's the yeah. worst thing I can possibly imagine. So, you know, you're in, you're in BN, but, um, but yeah, it doesn't mean I have to like it. I mean, the fact of the matter is this is embarrassing. Yeah. This is embarrassing. It is, it is destroying, uh, you know, for, for whatever we've gone through in the last 20 years. And I understand people's pain that way. It's supposed to be a proud franchise. And this is absolutely embarrassing, that franchise. It is going to be a stain on the franchise for years to come. They're going to have rules. They're going to have rules that they're going to name after the Miami Dolphins in response to what the Miami Dolphins are doing this season with the tank job. So, you know, hey, listen, just because somebody offers me a million dollars to shit in my face, I don't have to smile and pretend it tastes like chocolate. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is, and that's, and that's the thing. That's the thing here. I do not like any of these weeks that we're watching. I'm not, I'm not able to just console myself and say, well, you know, it's the best thing for us and we're going to get to it. And yeah, I, I'm in for it, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah. Well, that's it. There is no more. We will talk to you guys a little bit later this week where we will start to talk about that draft that's in April because God knows we're not going to be talking about the Chargers that are coming into town. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, who you may not know. And O.J. McDuffie. Who you definitely know. And we're getting ready to dive back into the fish tank. That's right, Drew. Season 2 of the Fish Tank Podcast right here on the 5 Reasons Sports Network kicks off on Tuesday, August 6th with our biggest catch yet. Hall of Famer Jason Taylor. I got the first hit in, and then he proceeded to, to grab my face mask. And he, I swear to God, I've never seen anybody throw so many uppercuts <laughs> in so little time. And he hit me in my stomach, my solar plexus, and my esophagus. But it was like it was like it was on a, like a boomerang. Like I just kept boomeranging. But the whole time he was holding my face mask, and my head couldn't move. Like this was boomerang before boomerang. He was even out on phones. So don't miss JT, OJ, DJ Preach, and myself, and all new guests, and most importantly, more of the best Miami Dolphins stories that you've never heard. Exactly, Big Seth. We've got an amazing lineup of your favorite Dolphins, from guys I played with to guys I looked up to, and even some players you'll be cheering for this season. Hey, hey, don't forget those of us who work behind the scenes. Yeah, you know I won't do that, man, because the Fish Tank takes you where no other Dolphin podcast can with some of the funniest, wildest, and most interesting stories of what goes on with your favorite team, players, and coaches when the cameras aren't watching. You can find The Fish Tank on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you do your podcast listening. So subscribe and start downloading today. Thanks for diving in. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.